It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 35 degrees outside this morning. I know we had predicted lows overnight around freezing, and so 35 in Atlanta, in downtown Atlanta, we have sort of a metro heat sink, and so the temperatures here are typically a little bit warmer than they are out in the suburbs, and I think out in the suburbs we did have a couple of places with freezing temperatures. Did it hurt our plants? Probably not. I went and looked at my hydrangeas this morning, and the hydrangea leaves look green and healthy and not frozen and black. So that's good news. If you planted tomatoes or impatiens this past week, then yes, they probably did get hurt a little bit last night and probably not going to be very happy looking when the sun comes up this morning. But for the most of us, I don't think the cold temperatures have done much of any damage to our landscapes. If it had been 25 or 24, 23 or something like that last night, then that would have been pretty pretty damaging to things that have already leafed out and budded out. The roses, of course, already have buds, already have flower buds on the roses right now, 1st of March, which is pretty unusual. The uh, hydrangeas, as I said, the leaves are coming out on them. They're only a couple of inches, maybe an inch or so long on my hydrangeas, so they haven't completely started their development for the spring. But one of the good things about that is that now you're really easily able to tell where the dead sticks and stems of last year's hydrangeas still exists and where are the branches that have buds on them. The ones that have buds on them are the ones, at least the top couple of buds, are the ones that are most likely to have flowers on them. So you can do a little pruning and moving of the dead sticks off your hydrangeas today. That wouldn't be a bad idea this afternoon. So if you have any hydrangeas, again, I don't expect any damage. If you have questions about your roses, I don't expect any damage there. If you have other questions about gardening, about landscaping, about trees, about shrubs, about indoor gardening, about anything that you have a little puzzlement about, our phone number is easy to remember, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Get your question answered. One of the things that I'm really curious about is how to how to keep lavender alive for more than a year or two. And I have one variety of lavender. It's called Phenomenal. And I purchased it probably three years ago now. And I noticed yesterday it has nice green sprouts coming up from the roots, which looks nice. So I'm sure my Phenomenal lavender is going to come back. But a friend yesterday said, oh, I've got some other kind of lavender here. It's called fern leaf lavender, and it's come back for a couple of years for me, and I don't want it anymore. Would you like to come dig it up? Which I did. And so I've got some uh, new plants to play with. Lavender, of course, needs a very, very fast-draining soil, particularly in the wintertime. So the soil that I've made for the little bed that I made for my lavender is very gritty, very sandy. And so if the rain comes during the wintertime, the roots never get a chance to get very wet or stay wet for very long. They simply dry out, just like that, when the rains come during the wintertime. So if you have a hankering to have lavender around the house, it's one of the things to always remember. They do not like clay soil. 
They love soil that is very sandy, gritty, and dries out really rapidly during the wintertime. Speaking of water, speaking of drought, you probably or maybe maybe didn't hear the, the news that the Georgia Depart- Department of Environmental Protection has loosened the rules for watering south of Atlanta, but not for Atlanta and north. And the reason is pretty simple. The Chattahoochee Basin River the watershed, all the rivers and creeks and hollers and valleys and things that water comes through, rainfall comes through to feed the um, Lake Lanier, that area of Georgia is still under a pretty severe drought. The stream flows have not really increased as much as the EPD would like it to increase. And so they're still imposing the level two drought restrictions on Georgia, on, I should say not Georgia, on Atlanta and points north of here. And so it's still, if you want to water for just general watering out in the front yard, you have to do it on even an odd um, um, uh, schedule. You can't do anything that would uh, do use water for pressure washing cars, use water for fountains, use water for pressure washing your house. There's another thing in there I forgot. Now, now you can always use water for watering vegetable gardens. There's no rule against that ever during any drought declaration during the year. So if you want to water your vegetable garden, there's no problem there. If you have newly planted trees, newly planted turf, newly planted shrubs, no problem in watering those for at least 30 days. So you don't have any real worries if you just have newly planted stuff. It's the old stuff. If you have a a lawn that's been in for two or three years and you think somehow that you just have to water it during the wintertime, um, that's not necessarily good for the lawn, A, and it's not legal to do it, B, because of the drought rules that we have in place right now, C. And if it does not really, really, really rain hard in the next month, we will probably go into the summer, I think, with drought level two, which will be odd and even. And we'll talk about that every Saturday morning a little bit and remind everyone that this is still the drought level that we're in, and we have to be sure that we're watering and conserving water so that we don't waste water. And frankly, and many of you know, we've heard me say this, watering a lawn more than one time a week is usually a waste of water. If you water the lawn one time a week, very deeply, about an inch of water per week, that's exactly what the grass wants. The grass likes to dry out between waterings, and if you water on Saturday or Sunday or whatever your day is to be able to water, and you water about an inch of water during that time, and the grass is green and the grass is pretty, it'll dry out sometime, sometime between then and the next weekend, and everything will be fine before you water it again. But usually that's not necessary, except during the really hot months of July, August, maybe some of September. All right. All right, we got all that. 404-872-0750. I'm a little hoarse this morning. 404-872-0750, the phone number. Let's go to the phones. Our best friend down in Griffin, Georgia, our friend Nicole. Morning, Nicole. Miss Reeve. How you doing? Fine. We need to put some pants on this morning. <laughs> I put my pants on. I put my jacket on. I put my vest on. I put my other jacket on. So I have three things to keep me warm. Yeah, 26, 28 this morning. In Griffin, oh, yeah. Well, we're in the wood. Talking about water, you know when we were very dry last year? Yeah. One morning on the news, it was like five or six days left of water around Atlanta. And I said, oh boy, this is serious business. This is serious there, business. There's a lot more needs in town, you know, than outside, you know, outside the town. But yeah. five or six days left, good grief. 
the, the, yeah, I mentioned it sort of briefly in passing just now, but the real problem is that Lake Lanier has a very small watershed. It doesn't get fed by lots and lots and lots of rivers and creeks and things. And so if it doesn't rain in that watershed, then Lake Lanier, which is the source for a lot of us in Atlanta, then when it gets dry, it gets low, oh, we got to restrict our water use. Yeah, there's going to be a wall because they still have to maintain a certain level for people that want to enjoy themselves. Yeah, that too. And, of course, we do have still some responsibility for the folks in Florida and Alabama who use water out of the Chattahoochee as well. There are farmers in South Georgia who use water from the Flint River and also use water from the aquifer underneath. And they have to be, I think, very specially aware of how much water they're using because I think they dodged a bullet this time that the farmers have not done in my view a great job in actually metering how much water is being withdrawn and that is the next frontier is scientifically measuring how much water comes out of the river how much water comes out of the aquifer how much goes back into both of them and that is the kind of thing that the farmers of South Georgia need to always be aware of they may be have the lens of the press and the media put on them if they're not careful. Another politic uh, war. Um, changing subject, yes. uh, I went to a store, little store yesterday to fi- try to find me some potato. Yeah. But the one with the germ, I mean, the, the germ you can put in the ground. Yeah. And because you buy potato at the store, and they say they they put a chemical so we don't have no germ. I mean, the germs, the life is out of potatoes. So I tried to eat potatoes. Right. Nothing is coming out for a month, you know. Oh, but those little, little, I mean, full of germ, those little red potatoes, uh-huh. do they have more life in them? <laughs> I don't know if the red potatoes do or not. If you buy potatoes, of course, from a garden center, then they're the ones that have not been sprayed to prevent sprouting, and, and you can plant those, and they'll sprout within four or five days, usually, when you plant potatoes then. But now's the time. Now's a great time, as a matter of fact, to plant potatoes. It sure is, Nicole. Yeah, it's just a fun to see if you're going to be successful or not. Got to have good soil and deep soil. Yeah. And this lady, she was just telling me that her husband plant 50-pound a bag, yeah, I mean, fifty-pound bag to, uh, of those little tomato wow. uh, potato, and I said, "How big is the field?" I know. <laughs> <laughs> and how much work are they going to have to do in June when the potatoes come needing to be harvested? You're out there with bent over and trying to f- pick the potatoes out of the ground and keep the rocks out of the bag. <laughs> oh yes, it's a big job. And then you know those small potatoes, the price of them yeah. is much more higher than the big potato. True. True, true. And uh, I was th- I was asking uh, myself when I put it on the, in the ground. I you know, my father used to split them, split them in four, but those are so small. Do we still need to split them? You think? You know, it's more of a, an eyeball thing. I think Nicole, my father would say, if it's about the size of a golf ball or a little bit smaller, then it's big enough to go into the ground. And I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb because the little germ, that little bud on the side of the potato has to have some energy for it to produce roots and then to grow a plant and then the plant grows more potatoes there around the, around the base of the plant. So I don't think if you make it much smaller than a golf ball that you'll have as much success as if you make it relatively golf ball size. I know it's a lot of fun to harvest, do 
Yeah, oh, potatoes are fabulous fun to harvest when you go out and dig because you can't see them. All of a sudden, the plow pulls the potatoes up out of the dirt, and you say, man, oh, man, look at all these potatoes. Oh, man, what are we going to have? Potato chips, potato fries? Yeah, because that's why the, the soil needs to be really soft because yeah. they go on underneath the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's uh, a lot of fun. Just try it. It is indeed, and we need to go underground right now, Nicole, because I look at the clock and see what Josh says. He says we have a hard out, so I have to go, but it's wonderful to talk to you once again. Enjoy your day. Yes. I hope your voice is getting better. Me too. Me too. It's a little hoarse right now, but I'll see you next Saturday, Nicole. Bye. See you then at 619 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Highs today in the mid to high 50s, so not so bad, but not so good either. Tomorrow, highs in the 60s, which is much nicer. Overnight lows in the 30s tonight, 40s tomorrow. Right now, 35 degrees on Peachtree Street. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I think we've got time to put Gene in here. Gene, our friend from Bremen, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gene. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a camellia tree. It's probably about 10 foot tall. Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> the limbs is hanging just way, way down. Of course, they're always loaded with that. But I want to know, would it hurt or help or hurt to kill the tree? And I, if I trim these branches off about a foot or two. No, don't worry about it at all. Camellias right now are... They've stored up all the energy of fall, and they bloom. Most of them have finished blooming. If they do have a couple of blooms on them, it's no big deal. But if you cut those limbs off, almost immediately they're going to have new growth coming on. It'll cover over where you made the stubs. So honestly, Gene, no. I don't think there's any problem at all. Go ahead, prune it, do get it out of the way, and let it recover for the spring and summer of this coming year. Thanks for calling, Gene. It's 628 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.35 at Newstalk WSB. It's 33 degrees outside right now. It's a little lower where you are. First thing we do, go to the phones. Wade is in Conyers, Georgia, and joins us. Say, Wade, morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help, my friend? Yes, sir. I had uh, about 20 pine trees taken down in the back yeah. backyard, and they shredded the limbs and, and some of the trees, and I've got a pretty good bit of mulch back there. Okay. Well, what can I do to kind of speed up the decomposition of it. Is it in a pile, or is it spread out widely, or how is it it's, right now? It's spread out pretty wide. I guess the same thing could be done as you would do in a pile, which is simply to add nitrogen to it. So if you go with some, you know, if you're fertilizing your lawn, go back there where the, where the mulch piles, the pine chip piles are, 
and add some fertilizer to that pile because the nitrogen that you add helps the little fungi and bacteria to break down those chips faster, gives them something to eat okay. as they as they break down the chips. So a little fertilizer, I think, would be about all you can do. I, I, I saw maybe some uh, mushroom puree. <laughs> you ever heard of that? I, I know you can get stuff like that from Fungi Perfecti, the uh, mushroom people online that sell different strains of mushrooms and different logs and stuff like that. Okay. I suppose if the layer were pretty thick, it has to be pretty thick to support mushroom mycelia. They have to be at least eight inches, I think, deep with wood chips before the mycelia um, get enough moisture consistently that they don't dry out, which is one of the things that mushrooms really need is a healthy, uh, when I say mycelia, I mean those little white roots that, that mushrooms have as they decompose a pile of wood. So if you have a deep pile, eight inches deep, maybe putting some mushroom puree on there okay. would help make mushrooms. Okay. Would, would tilling it up in the dirt, would that help? Or? I don't know if it would help, help or not. The fertilizer, again, on top of it, and if you mix in the fertilizer with the chips and mix that into the dirt, would that make it decompose much faster? Maybe, because it would be more consistent moisture there. Maybe, but I'm not going to... I'm not guaranteeing anything, Wade, if you get okay. to catch my drift. Yes, sir. All right, sir. I, I certainly appreciate it. I'll, I'll see about putting maybe some ammonium nitrate on it. Yeah, ammonium nitrate would be fine. Put it If you want a rate of ammonium nitrate or urea, either one, their numbers are similar on the bags. One is 3300, and the other is 3400. And so you put around three pounds per thousand square feet. So measure out three pounds. It's about three pints worth of fertilizer and sort of eyeball a thousand square feet. Throw the fertilizer out. Okay. All right, sir. Well, sir, we appreciate it. Anyway, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Thank you. We got uh, the next in line. June. June's in Dunwoody. Hey, June. Good morning. Good morning, Hat. Thanks for taking my call. You bet, June. So I am getting some new landscaping and hardscaping in the back of my house, which gets full, full sun most of the day. And so I need some pretty uh, suggestions for some pretty plantings along the stairs. It's about a four, three and a half to four foot wide and, of course, sloping down alongside the stairs. And then the strip along my house is about six foot wide and about 30 foot, you know, long. So I just wanted some uh, recommendations for some really pretty shrubs or ground cover along i don't know what to put along that sloping area so if you can give me some suggestions i'd really appreciate it well it's in full sun which means we don't want to put anything that's a real shade needing shade loving shrub there in my experience even encore azaleas which Mm -hmm. are azaleas supposed to be a shade tolerant shade loving plant but encore azaleas for the most part seem to do just fine in full sun as long as you've done your job tilling the ground beforehand and planting them in nice soft soil so the roots can spread out mm-hmm. if you do that encore azaleas are, are an option i think there the um let's see uh indian hawthorn i know indian hawthorn some of the varieties get leaf spot and if you'll go online you can go to my website you can go to other places online and just type in the, the search term Indian Hawthorne leaf spot and it's usually okay. an article that will say these are the ones that get leaf spot really bad and these are the ones that really don't get much leaf spot at all and I see plantings mm-hmm. of Indian Hawthorne around Atlanta that are just wonderfully no spot there at all and I see other mm-hmm. plants that just look eaten up 
eaten mm-hmm. up with leaf spot. So you, if you can avoid <laughs> the leaf spot, you're fine. Right. Um, Nandina is a little small shrub that uh, doesn't have berries. The, the dwarf forms, anyway, don't have berries on them, but they have nice uh, winter color, the red and the purples and the pinks, sort of. Mm-hmm. The small Nandinas do okay, I think, even in full sun. Oh, what else have we got in here? You've got, since you want something real decorative, I'm not going to suggest hollies because hollies, right. little leaf hollies, don't have much of a barrier or yeah. anything to look at. And something it doesn't, right now I have gardenias that are like 20 years old. They're just so, uh, so overgrown and huge yeah. that I'm just going to take them out because they, they get too, they're too wild. You know? Well, so, you know, that said, one of the creeping gardenias, the gardenia radicans or gardenia um, frostproof is the one that's small, that my neighbor has that are three feet high and about four feet wide. Ooh, sounds that like it's sounds about right. your size there, June. So, mm-hmm. And what about that. that sloping area? What's the best for there? Uh, I think any, any of the shrubs I mentioned would be fine as long as you have some way of keeping the water from flowing unimpeded down the hill. You want to have some uh, little terraces you make out of bricks or pieces of wood or something that keeps the water pooled for a minute before it spills over the edge and keeps on going down the hill. As long as you impede the water so it's not straight down the hill by the walk, you'll be okay with any of the shrubs we've talked about. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And don't forget, you always go to your local pike and just go on a morning that's not very busy and bring a picture of your landscape in and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? And they'll probably have another half dozen shrubs that you also can consider. Laurel Pedalum, for instance. I'm just thinking of Laurel Pedalum, the uh, Petite Plum. Yes, Petite Plum is a little one, and there's another one called Purple Diamond Laurel Pedalum, both of which are very small and would do just what you want to have. Want to have right. And is there a, a, a variety of the Encore Azalea that you would recommend that's really pretty? <laughs> They've got so many. used to be there were three. There were five, and then there was ten, and then there's about yeah, 300. Okay. No, I'm I not going to recommend any of them because I can't remember which one is which. They <laughs> okay. spend all wintertime thinking of new names for new varieties and new colors, and I can't keep them apart. No. Okay. Well, listen, thanks so much for your time. Hey, thanks for calling, June. Have a good week. Bye. You bet. See you soon. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take June's place. You can talk to me this morning. Actually, Frasca is screening our calls. Jason Byers, of course, is keeping us on the air as our engineer. And next in line, Mary in Norcross. Mary, join us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Good morning. I certainly appreciate all the information you give us. Well, thank you. How can I help? Well, I have a problem. I'm digging, well, actually raking leaves my hand away from a brick line area. Yeah. I got stung by a yellow jacket. No, you did not. I, I did. This time I, of I year. I hibernated, but evidently the weather's been so warm. <laughs> okay. I suppose it's possible for some of the yellow jackets in the nest from last year to survive, and under, they're underground after all, so it doesn't get really cold down there. And one of them came out and said, what are you doing around my house, and bit you there. It sure did, right on the finger, and it was swollen for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. What can I put on there? Can I put something I can douse or pour so I'm not spraying around it? That spraying is too slow. Um, If you have the—what was it, two years ago now, I guess it was, Mary, I was— 
just curious out of more than anything else. I found about the same way as you did. I stepped on a hole in my flower bed and out came a boiling mass of yellow jackets and a couple of them bit me. And so I thought, well, I'm going to experiment and see which is the fastest, best way to control yellow jackets in the ground. And in one case, I put a glass bowl over the top to see if I could sort of suffocate them in there with a the glass bowl. That didn't work very well. I tried traps where I put the... Um, tuna fish, I think it was, tuna fish, or a, a sheen of oil, and that caught a lot of them, but there was still a bunch more going in and out of the hole, so that didn't wipe them out. Finally, when I got tired of messing with them, the only thing that I used that I said, wow, that was within 24 hours or less, seven, seven dust. I had a little bag of seven dust up in the shed. I put a tablespoon by the hole, and by the next day, there was not a single yellow jacket available to look at. Oh, that's wonderful news, because I got stung a couple of years ago by a hole in the front yard and had five bites, and I want to get rid of them. The best time, of course, to put the stuff down, you don't want to get stung while you're putting the poison down for them, but do it at night or in the dusk where you can just barely see where the hole is and rush out there with your tablespoon and dump it in the hole and then rush back in the house, and they'll be dead by next day. Well, I want to dump a lot, so... No, it doesn't. Really and truly, it does not require a lot. Just a tablespoonful is all it takes. All that has to happen is for a little bit of the powder to get on the legs or the feet of the yellow jacket as they go in and out of the hole, and that's it. You don't have to put a pound or anything like that. You're wasting time and money and harming the environment as well. So don't do that, but a little bit goes a long way. Well, I have to find the hole because I dropped the leaves on top of that area (laughs) and and put ammonia on it. But anyway, it's... uh, it's a problem, and I certainly appreciate your help. All right. Well, thanks for calling, Mary. Okay, bye-bye. I think we'll get to Jerry in the next half hour. Jerry wants to talk about how to trim a 15-foot-tall cedar tree that's going way out too far. Kevin and Swanee in the next half hour as well wants to know how to control and prune his crepe myrtles right now, and there's still plenty of time to do that. Here's a reminder. If you have an interest in growing fruits in your garden, then Pike Nursery next Saturday on March the 11th is going to have a nice class on uh, strawberry and blueberry growing. And this is a cool thing. There'll be a free bare root strawberry with any purchase while supplies last next Saturday. There's a customer class on growing strawberries at 8.30 a.m. next Saturday, and then a customer class on growing blueberries at 5 p.m. next Saturday. And all day long, strawberry lemonade for you to drink. So that's at your local Pike Nursery. Of course, you can find them by going to pikenursery.com. It's 747. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Highs today in the mid-50s. Not so bad to be outside. You might need a little light jacket if you're going to do a little gardening outside. But if you work hard, you'll throw the jacket off this afternoon. A little bit of T-shirt weather maybe later today. Overnight lows in the 40s tomorrow. Warmer a little bit. 60s tomorrow afternoon. And we have no, at least, forecast right now of rain coming up. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jerry is out in Loganville. Jerry joins us on Lawn and Garden. Jerry, hey, good morning. 
Good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking my call. How can I help? We have a cedar tree that we uh, transferred out of the woods when we bought our property and put it near the house and 12 years ago. It's now about 15 foot tall, probably 10 to 12 foot at the base. It's growing out over my driveway, and I yeah. want to trim it 12 to 18 inches. Can I do that, and when? So when were you going to read the little online information about cedar trees and how big they get? <laughs> it's a wonderful block between my deck and looking at the neighbor's deck, so I don't want to get rid of it, but yeah. uh, it's getting out in the driveway now. The time to prune all needled evergreens, including cedars and Leland cypress and pine trees and everything else, is the rule of thumb is sooner rather than later, I guess is the right okay. word. So... You know, if you got to do it, you got to do it. I mean, I can't tell you not to do it, Jerry, because you don't want it to scratch the car and to be in the way and all that stuff. So do as best a pruning job as you can. Try to leave as much greenery as you can beneath your cuts, because that greenery is what comes out and covers the cuts over, so you don't have the little stubs sticking out. But do it now, because the stimulative time for new growth to happen is just going to happen in the next month or so. As March goes up and and you get more and more warm weather uh, to come out, then you'll get more green growth to cover over the stub. So do it today. Hey, today's a great day, and put it back as much as you need to. Hopefully have a little bit of green stuff beneath your cut. It sort of has these little brown seed-like things on it right now. Is uh-huh. it still okay to do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, those just okay. seed, seed pies, seed cones on the cedar tree. All right. Well, thank you so much for the information you give us. Hey, nothing to it, Jerry. Thanks for calling. Have a good day. Coming up in the next half hour, as I mentioned, Kevin wants to talk about pruning his crepe myrtle tree. Ray wants to know about planting corn near a creek. And why don't we early in the morning give away the weekend prize back? Why not Ashley Frasca bring a little happiness into someone's life? Actually, we'll be thinking of a number between two and seven. They'll determine who wins a four-pack of tickets to the Game of Thrones live concert experience. Woohoo! That would be some fun on March the 14th at Phillips Arena, and a family four-pack of tickets to see the Atlanta Gladiators home game at the Infinite Energy Arena. Our number four zero four seven four one zero seven fifty. Dial carefully. Don't wake anybody up this early in the morning. Four zero four seven four one zero seven fifty to win a four pack of tickets to the Game of Thrones live concert experience. Whew. Mm, and the Gladiators, which is pretty much the same thing. So you'll be able to see both of those. What do you think, Ash? I think caller number five right caller now. Caller number five to our contest line, 404-741-0750. At 6.58, we'll be back after news.